Strachan and Bell together. There's Cooper breaking through. A chance now. This will be the fourth ball for Aberdeen. And Cooper puts it in with his legs. Well, suddenly it's become a rout. Of course, when things are going wrong against you, you don't get the breaks of the ball. Cooper in with Stewart. He didn't really know where the ball was, but he got the break. And as you say, it's a schoolboy's dream being able to take your time. Knowing that really, all you've got to do is crack it into the back of the net. Hello and welcome to the Here We Go podcast. Uh, on the back of yet another, what do we say, challenging, uh, disappointing, none of those words seem quite accurate for the absolute absence of uh, any sort of uh, footballing motive and Saturday's defeat at Tynecastle. Uh, joining me to look back on that one and look ahead to the um, equally less pleasing prospect of facing Eintracht Frankfurt on their own patch. Um, although I guess it'll be a good trip and the beer will be good, eh? Uh, is Martin Ingram. Martin, good evening. Good evening, Richard. Um, I, I'm, I'm told by my producer that you want an opening rant on the Hibs game from a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> um, oh, well, having, 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 having said I would try and subtly manoeuvre comments on the Hibs is, is in part of our uh, usual... Fair. I'll, I'll I'll just get straight into it. I mean, um, obviously, I think a lot of people are going to be really upset with how things have gone generally in in the league campaign so far, and we'll we'll unpick the the horror that was Hearts last Sunday. But you know, for for me, I'm more upset. I was more upset at the time about the result at home against Hibs because you know the albeit. There's lots of criticism we can have about the way the team have performed, um, what what the motives are of Barry Robson behind how he's trying to get a team to play. I don't think it was any great surprise that we ended up losing away from home to Hearts. It seems to be the way of things. I don't think we've won there in about six years. Um, and it seems to be the way in Aberdeen Hearts fixtures of recent times we... we go down to the capital and get comfortably beaten and then hearts come up the road and we comfortably beat them here hope we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with regards to that one but the the, the hibs game we, we haven't been on since that and i just wanted to kind of say how disappointing that was in so far as um that's a home game we've only had the two home league games this season i think the the the, the home performance against celtic um we we received actually quite positively, even though the the the, the result was a bad one. Um, you could certainly at least see the the intent, the way the way that Aberdeen were were, were trying to play to, to press high up the park to uh, impress themselves in the game. Um, but you know, you a, a defeat a defeat away at Cel- a, a, a defeat at home against Celtic isn't completely unexpected. We never we never go out, you know, hope hoping to see such results but it's it's not surprising hips were coming into that game with possibly a, an even worse uh 
identity crisis in our own going into that. They had been absolutely pummeled by Aston Villa over two legs, um, didn't have a point to show for the first three league games in the season. And that is a game where it's the only match so far out of five where I went into that really expecting that we we can go on, put a performance, get on top of a team that was completely rudderless, didn't didn't have a manager in place. Um, and that was the point at which I first started getting really concerned. And it's obviously echoed on with the, 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 the result against a another manager who's newer in in the post than than Barry Robson is um but we were completely tactically outwitted from the outset and um you you wonder you know David Gray in one interim spot in charge basically managed to um completely outduel his opponent in in the first 45 minutes and it's maybe unfair to say that he's outwitted or outdueled him because it, it suggests that there's some form of battle of wits going on there. Whereas I don't, I don't think, I don't think Barry Robson. I don't mean he's totally unkindly, but I don't think he's looking to engage in that. He's very much, as we've said repeatedly, trying to set out with uh, a, a formation and a way of playing that he wants the team to play. And regardless of what opposition we're coming up against, that's just the way we play. And it was horrifically exposed in the first 45 minutes at Pitodri. Um Johan against Rubisic is the thing that really, really horrified me. He was getting turned inside out, um, essentially forced into playing in the right centre-back position for that first 45 minutes. And we knew, we got an inkling from the first few outings that one of the areas where Rubisic is really going to struggle as it effectively has very little to no turn of pace. He has the turning circle of a of a freighter. Um, and the unrelenting demands of putting out this back three. Um, he had Angus McDonald in Angus McDonald, who had previously, I think, with Swindon and Brentford, had played on the right on 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 the right of a back three. But I wonder whether Robinson was concerned that with him, you know, relatively fresh back from recovering from an injury, he didn't want to put that kind of workload on on him outright. But instead. Rubisic's output on the right of the back three and um, he was absolutely roasted, absolutely tortured um, to the extent that he had to be substituted 45 minutes in and um, yeah David Gray got everything right about that because he knows exactly how Aberdeen are going to set up and play and uh, we are not doing anything to adjust so um yeah, we're 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 maybe a bit unfortunate further down the line that they they get a couple of good goals in order to actually put us away. But there was a a, a number of other concerns in relation to that as well, for for both goals or goals that they're getting in our eighteen yard box and players have acres of room in order to play. The first the first goal, Joe Newell is basically laying up to Lafondre about twelve yards out, and and our defenders are probably, you know six yards away from how could you be six yards away from two players in the penalty area and allow that to happen and then the the second goal with Deutsch, um his first header is an open he's, he's, he's completely open in in the, the the penalty area gets a header off doesn't doesn't score on that occasion but so I, I went back to count this out because um, Jensen makes a half-assed attempt to try and head the ball away but there are then three consecutive headers that Hibs win in our penalty area which is tidied off by Deutsch putting the second goal in. So 
that performance was absolutely calamitous, and we didn't really obviously get a chance to talk about that after after the the the, the event. Um, but the one thing you did hope is okay. While nobody wants to see us go out going into an international break on a defeat, at least it will give the the, the management team a good fortnight to be able to work on the team. Um, kind of similar to when Jim Goodwin's team got that 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 break during the World Cup, and you think, fantastic, they'll have some time to actually work with this new group of players. And and you know, I I I, I tweeted beforehand that I think effectively the team that played against Hearts was probably more than likely what Barry Robson would have identified as his strongest eleven playing in their best formation. You have a fortnight to prepare. You know the team you're going to be playing against, and it was absolute crap. Yeah, let's hone in, I think, on one aspect which is really concerning me. It's the the obvious way in which we, we set up to play and the ease with which oppositions are able to stop us playing. I think part of the sort of more direct football is by design. They want to get the ball up to um, our strikers quicker, uh, and that was evident last season as well. But I think the other, other part of it is due to our own tactical shortcomings because I think ultimately you have Leighton Clarkson sitting deep within your midfield because you want him to receive the ball from the back line and you want him then to be able to dictate the play and move things on and move things to the uh, through the lines and this season I think that's happened for one 45 minute spell which was away from home in Gothenburg uh, when the back line and to be fair largely Jack McKenzie uh, the much derided Jack McKenzie were able to actually find him on a repeated basis and he was then able to get passes, working through the lines, break a, break a fairly naive but intense press uh, from the home team. And we looked like a functioning football team uh, that evening. For the rest of it, though, it's been, it's been terribly predictable on an attacking basis. And, and for me, that's the worst thing you can be in this league is predictable because, you know, you don't have a lot of tactical innovation here, but you will have a lot of managers who are able to react to what they see an opposition doing. I think that's absolutely it in a nutshell, Richard. That um, I, I, I'll start with. There's there's nothing wrong with having a preferred system and style of play, because especially at Aberdeen, when you're, you know, and and again, credit to Dave Cormack, credit to the the football management board. Um, Barry Robson has been very well resourced over the summer, um, and and they've gone out and and, and sought to bring in a, a number of new players into the setup. So it, the, the aspiration would be that you can play with uh, a set style and strategy and get bring in players. And again, we'll maybe discuss this a bit further down the line with regards to whether the, the players have been identified, have they been identified to fit a, you know, a particular criteria? Um, uh, and if so, why isn't this working? trying to plug these players in into the system that he's trying to play but um in in in, in terms of how we've played um the the rest of the uh premiership have obviously now had an opportunity to see the way that barry robson is setting his teams out they know pretty much exactly how we're going to approach the game and it, it doesn't take a rocket science to work out that you know what what might have been novel not necessarily surprise but something that teams weren't were encountering for the first time towards the tail end of last season is now something that you've had a a, a summer and additional time to prepare for um and yeah it's 
I think the frustration, especially, I think I think the Hearts game is probably the 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 the, the zenith of this is. There's nothing wrong with taking a pro and again we've talked about this beforehand. Barry Robson's very keen on his transition, so it's moving the ball from defence through into attack as quickly as possible. And especially when we're getting possession of the opposition, being able to uh, move the ball forward as quickly as possible in order to take advantage of the the opposition being out of shape. And again, as you rightly say, in the second half in Gothenburg, um, you saw a couple of occasions where we did that to to great effect. But it's one thing trying to transition um, when you're trying to do that through the team, working from defence through midfield into attack and and going through creative players like Leighton Clarkson and those opportunities. Um, you could argue there is no quicker transition than a hoof from the goalkeeper or from your central defender all the way through to the, the other end of the pitch. But um, is that the most constructive way of trying to go about things when you're trying to win a football match? Not not always. Um, and I'm really beginning to wonder whether you mentioned Leighton Clarkson specifically. I got the real feel of there was a number of times where the ball's getting hoofed over his head from Kel Roos or from a central defender. And I felt there were spells in that game, especially when... you when we were when we were doing well and we were successful you got i felt you got a level of buy in from Lane Clarkson at the tail end of last season that we hadn't seen beforehand where he was really putting an effort in off the ball working back quite often you're finding him on the goal line making goal line clearances and i think it's human nature that once you're there to be as you say the kind of creative fulcrum of the team ideally when you're in possession you're actually wanting to be able to start your moves and play through him when in actual fact what we're doing is just bypassing him completely and once you're seeing the ball go over your head kind of 11 or 12 times in the first half it's it's human nature to maybe start disengaging in the game and thinking you know this isn't this isn't what I came back to the club for and I just thought it was kind of noticeable in some of the situations where we were getting out of possession and and, and having to try and get back into the game um it was the first time in a while I saw he was notably kind of jogging back for things in a way where, you know, you saw Graham Shinney would be bombing back to try and get back to things, but Leighton Clarkson is just maybe kind of jogging back. Um, even 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 Jim McGrath, who you'd probably think of as being more of the kind of, you know, creative attacking midfielder player and you might not have expected getting back, you might get in a bit of a criticism for, you know, um the deflection that leads to the second goal, but at least he's getting back and getting in there. Um but yeah, um, this, what's, I mean, effectively, we ended up playing exactly the way we'd have historically criticised Hearts from playing, just hoof the ball up the field, hope for the best. And and even if you are going to do that, I don't think anybody wants us to be playing that way. We'd much rather be utilising what I think are a group of really good footballers. We've got a lot of good players in midfield that we could utilise by trying to play through it. Um, even if you are going to go hoofball, um, you know, are, are Miofsky and Duke really the, the, the kind of centre forwards? I mean, if anything, we brought we we we've, we've brought in a new striker who's probably far more suited to that type of approach than anyone else, and yet that's not the player that we're utilising for it. So there, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be a, a huge rhyme or reason to what we're trying to do on the park at all, and it is very concerning. And yet, how much of this is really different to what the approach was at the tail end of last season, when you know, as we know, he he won the seven domestic games in a row. Um, 
to secure himself the job. Um, the record since he got the job is uh, less impressive, shall we say. But in amongst that as well, I think it's worth highlighting there were three away wins in succession. All of them really ground out wins, granted, but they showed a lot of fortitude to, to maintain the victory. Dundee United uh, actually going and winning from being paid back, which hadn't happened in the season up to that point. 1-0 won at St Johnston, which was actually a pretty terrible performance against 10 men for most of the game, but it was still a win. And then again, another nervy evening in Ross King- uh, up at Dingwall against Ross County. Um, another 1-0 win there. But it was a sort of ground-out, hard-fought wins away from home that you could accept, as long as there was a bit more of a flourish at home and you were capable of putting sides away. That appears to disappear again, and we just have reverted to type, really, away from home. It's um, 10 wins from 50 of the last 57 away league games. 10 from 57. So this has been a long-running malaise, a long-running problem that we just cannot seem to find a formula, not just at Tynecastle, which as you correctly pointed out, we've got a horrific record at, but at any SPFL ground. Yeah, and that's that's why, I mean, it's it's obviously not good enough to have that kind of a record over a period of time, but that's where, as I say, I was I was a bit, I was a lot more upset with the, the way we performed against Hibs in a game that I thought was not only imminently winnable, but I think we should be going and winning especially since at that point we knew the run-in we were going to be having in the league afterwards. It was a real missed opportunity. Um, but again, I think the frustration obviously is as much a culmination of the results we've had in in the league so far. Um, but you're absolutely right. The, the, the concept of us um, going out meekly and, and, and losing a game away from home isn't exactly revolutionary, that result. Um, it's exactly the results we were getting under Goodwin and under Glass, and indeed the tail end of the the, the, the Derek McInnes spell as well. So um, that certainly doesn't sit squarely at the, the, the door of Barry Robson. But I think what was unfortunate is exactly what you said, that in, in the initial, what we'll probably now refer to as the honeymoon period, um, the, the, the point between him, being appointed interim manager and and getting the job, um, it was it was something that I was I think all of us hoped was something we'd maybe finally addressed getting back to exactly as I say it doesn't necessarily have to be pretty away from home a lot of the times but being being resolute there's um, we we we're we're making sure that we don't lose those games and then putting ourselves in a position that where the opportunity arises we can. We can we can get a win out of it, and yeah, it all and seems those, to have gone backwards. Those three away wins had come off the back of seven straight away defeats in the league. So again, putting those in context, not just with the wider record, but what immediately came before, um, it did seem like this was someone it wasn't quite turning water into wine, but at least was turning water into um, a, a pint of squash with with some nice flavouring in it, um, and, and was able to impart, I suppose, a simple message effectively to his team. That doesn't appear to be happening this season now. Do we put it down just to the massive turnover? And it is a big turnover. I think I calculated um, that we've lost 49.6% of the of the player minutes from last season are no longer at the club. So that's a huge turnover in terms of the key personnel who were here last season. And I think Robinson's ability was, was, enable, was getting players on board and 
players have looked really comfortable in the SPFL as well. McDonald and Pollock were big contributors towards the tail end of last season. And, and maybe contrast that with their defence as it stands right now. They just seem to understand the Scottish game, despite never having played up here before, but obviously they both played in England throughout their careers. And there's not that huge a difference, I suppose, between the lower leagues in England and, and the SPFL. Whereas I think a lot of these centre-halves we have coming in now, and Chris Crichton in today's uh, B&J makes an excellent point, is that many of them came from back four systems and we're trying to make them work within the context of a back three, back five. How long do we give a manager to bed in? Well, it's not a completely new team, but it's certainly a completely new backline. It, it is, and um, I'm glad you, you referenced uh, the article from my, my, my old mucker, uh, Murky. Um, so I think he made the point in that article that, as you say, an entirely new back five in terms of five players that weren't at the club before this season began. And as you said as well, um, coming from situations where they were playing in back fours as opposed to back fives uh, or back back threes, depending on how you're interpreting that. But so that that, that brings me to the, the point I, I referenced earlier in relation to what is the recruitment strategy here because that does seem to indicate that we I don't think there was going to be any secret that this is the way that Barry Robson was looking to play is with a three at the back so or a, a kind of a three four one two or some some variation in that setup so the recruitment team goes into the the the, the close season knowing that that's the system that the manager would prefer to play in and is looking to identify players. But it does seem to smack of identifying um, player attributes without necessarily thinking about how you're going to be fitting them in the system. And it would be interesting to know where where the accountability lies in relation to that. And and don't get me wrong, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, like, you know, Richard Jensen's um, James McGarry, it, players that have played international level football, um, I don't doubt it would be beyond those players to, um, over a period of time, uh, fit into the roles that have been identified for them within that system. So coming back to your point, I think there is an absolutely valid uh, point to be made there that this is incredibly early in the process for this particular team. And we would be downplaying things um, you know, by... by ignoring the fact that we've lost a number of key players and what made that system successful. The back three that was performing at the tail end of last season um, have two defenders who aren't with the club anymore. Matty Pollock was obviously a fantastic success. Incredibly frustrating to see that he's still not getting a huge amount of minutes at Watford, but that that opportunity is now passed. Um, Liam Scales, for whatever faults he had earlier on in his loan spell, um, once he was in a kind of more settled back three, he really did um, come into his own. And now, albeit through happenstance more than anything else, he's now been uh, a part of uh, a Celtic defensive line that's had back-to-back clean sheets, clearly very capable. So so you don't just lose players of that consistency. And then, of course, you know, Ross, Ross McCrory, who was quite often playing in the, the, the right uh the right back, right wing back position, um, and then Angus McDonald, who is still at the club but clearly isn't fully fit yet, or or at least fit enough to be um, 
brought back playing regular first team football. So it would be naive to think that you can just, um, if if you are talking about how important defending is and the consistency of that, you can't you can't you can't really say that and then ignore the fact that you've got a group of players that will be just brought into the club fresh. And we are still talking about five league games into the season. I think with the European fixtures involved in the the group stages coming on, I think we can still kind of surprise ourselves by just quite how early in the season we really still are. And the fact that it was an incredibly tough opening stint. I mean, that's Celtic, Hibs, Hearts, and St. Mirren are probably um, four four of the the top six teams in the country right now. So, uh, you know, you do have to take it with a pinch of salt, but the, the, the problem is going to be there's only so long that you can continue along that line and, and, and use those excuses. If they're not gelling right now, they're going to have to gel pretty quickly because if, well, again, we'll come to this later on undoubtedly as well, but the next home game is, 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 is against Ross County. Um, the, the, the longer you're not getting the results, the more important it becomes to get results and quickly. And if you're not beating Ross County, then... You're having you're then going to have to go and play them in a league cup game. We we've seen how this accelerates. You could you could very easily see a situation where we get a bit of a humiliation in in Germany, uh, round that out with not managing to beat Ross County, getting knocked out of the league cup. You know you're only talking a few games, and then all of a sudden the world is coming is falling in about you, and, that, and now you've got to go to Ibrox. So it's it's an incredibly challenging environment, and. Um, Sadly, for for all that we're probably going to pontificate around about it, the 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 only real resolution to that is to start getting results. Zeroing back in on the recruitment strategy, it's been it's there were short term fixes made in January, and the reliance on the load market was was noted. But again, I come back to the idea that a lot of the that backline. All three of them on. Uh, no, I think Angus McDonald was wasn't on loan. He was a short-term deal. But Pollock and, and Scales both on loan. But again, that that knowledge of how the game is played up here, that idea of knowing how to face things with intensity and play with the intensity you require in this league, which may or may not be different to some of the leagues that these players have come from. And I suppose as well, forming that bond, which we saw that McDonald and Pollock in particular did very very quickly and therefore we were able to trust each other trust each other with the ball, trust each other with the pass understand that they could get the ball forward, get the ball into a guy like Leighton Clarkson who can then impact the game and I think that has been a large part of the problems thus far this season, not the only part by any stretch of the imagination. So the strategy this this summer, we, we secured Clarkson and Shinney on, on permanent deals which I think everyone recognised was good good business generally speaking whilst they certainly haven't excelled as we kicked off this season i think we accepted that's good business the rest of the signings quite the grab bag of um guys i suppose who were very much in our price bracket um available willing to move to the uk um but not a lot of people with experience of the british leagues now how how much importance do you place on having that knowledge and um, that idea of what the game here is going to be like? Yeah, you obviously have to place some amount of importance in it. And I think that was why the first, well, maybe not the first, but certainly one of the earliest pieces of business in preparation for this season was uh, signing Nicky Devlin from Livingston, because that was clearly an idea of bringing in someone who obviously knows the league because he's been playing in it for an, for, a, for a number of seasons already. Um, so it, it is important up to a point, but I was always supportive of 
uh, and again, a lot of fans would have said this, you know, and it's certainly I was in the camp in that 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 to to do that too much is limiting yourself to the ability of player that you might be able to get hold of. We've we've been found out in in previous seasons by just going you know almost sticking too closely within the premiership or our local confines and 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 maybe limiting ourselves to the quality of player that we can get hold of um and as i say we're talking about you know guys of international experience in players like jensen and mcgarry um gartenman who's come through um from midjutland um is playing he may not have been playing regularly but he's playing in a very well established team in the danish league that that you know they're also going to be involved in european group stage football so you know we're not talking mugs here we're talking a number of the guys that we brought in with our our players with quite a considerable amount of uh uh on paper quite a considerable amount of caliber so i would always support that but i suppose it's about getting the, the balance between those two and this is where you have to be, you know, fair to the club here in that there is no substitute for continuity. And at the end of the day, if you start with a back three where, um, again, we're forced into a situation that, you know, we, we basically had to go and grab people's on people on loans in order to, to make that happen or short term deals. Um, and Fortunately, with Angus McDonald, we were able to secure him in a, on a longer term deal, but but we weren't able to do that with Pollock and, and, and Scales. So you're all of a sudden two players down on a, on a, on a back three that was performing really well last time. I, I personally don't have too many concerns that we will eventually get up to speed with the likes of uh, Jensen and, and Gartenman, albeit um, you know time will tell on that front. What I'm slightly more concerned about is how hit and miss the whole process has been up to this point, because undoubtedly those those last two signings have come, I th- in my mind, partly due to the fact that the original game plan didn't work, because we've brought in a number of defenders between the end of last season and the beginning of now. And I think it became apparent that in a number of cases, they just weren't working out. Or Dadia has to be the, the, the prime case in point, doesn't it? I mean, um, there has to be question marks on the recruitment process where we've specifically brought in and identified a guy who, going back to the Hibs game, even in a situation where we knew we didn't have a natural right-sided centre-back and we were going to have to force Rupesic into playing there, um, eventually, when it became evident that it was going to work out, we we made a we made a tactical switch and brought Nicky Devlin back to play at right centre back. But Ordadia has originally come through as a right back. Yet we in in that situation, even in an, in an, in an emergency, we couldn't trust him to either play on the right of or the right back position or in the right centre half position. So you have to wonder what's gone on in, with the recruitment process. Similarly, with regards to Reese Williams, and and you know I'll, I'll maybe give him a bit more of a given that he did he did suffer an injury very very early into the the the, the process but um again the the very limited time that that, that um i got to see him firsthand in that um spfl trust game and yeah i'll give him a huge pass because he was very that was his first action back out of injury but it it was concerning to the degree to which he was struggling with you know players a, a couple of levels below that and and we haven't really seen any involvement from him since and 
yeah, I, I, although he's played a substantial amount of football so far, I've not been hugely impressed with what I've seen from Rubicic either. So I don't think there's any doubt that the reason we've ended up recruiting additional centre-halves is that I don't think we've ended up identifying the guys that we want to be going with um, the first time around. And I think we're effectively forced into doing that. Um, and yeah, I think I think in in the defensive situation, that's the hardest one to address because you 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 can only address that by you've just got to you've got to pick a lineup and a formation that you're happy with and and just keep playing and you really probably just have to play through it and hope hope that it gels sooner rather than later. Well, if we take that approach, if we take the approach that you know we we're going to wait it out, we're going to hope that this does gel, this does work, that Barry Robson's able to successfully put together a working defence, which he was able to do in very short order last season, I think it's fair to say. Surely we had these conversations in the summer as supporters. We knew there was going to be a big turnover of players. And whether we said it on this podcast or not, or whether you would have said it in your individual conversations with uh, your mates or on WhatsApp chats or whatever, it's always the case that Surely, you, you have a, such a high turnover, you you accept there is going to be time needed for the squad to gel, for the team to gel, for those relationships to build. Uh, when it comes to the crunch, though, we panic as supporters. Is this something that's got worse, or...? I think it's, it's maybe not anything that's got worse, but we now we now have an environment where people can very quickly go and rattle up a podcast about it and uh, complain about how awful things are going on. You can you can instantly go on social media of of an evening after a terrible result and um, doom scroll your way into oblivion. So I think I think fans have always been a bit fickle that way, but um, I think it's the manner in which that can spiral into a self-fulfilled crisis on online platforms is um makes it far more pointed in the way that it didn't used to be where it would take myself and colleagues a good fortnight to <laughs> find the time to write up a, a vitriol filled article know, and publish it and get it out on the streets nobody is happy with the way things have gone and there are big big alarm bells ringing with how we've started this campaign especially when we consider the last two results have been against the sides that we consider our main challenges for finishing third because I think we can put to one side any belief that we might be finishing higher than third this season that's for certain um, huge well, alarm that, bells we were, we, we, we were in a worse position than this last January so we were in the last position than this last January although looking at the record this is the this is the worst start to a league campaign since the Abbey Scobdale season first season um, which obviously we got zero points from the first five games and it's only the fourth time since the end of uh, the Second World War that we've gone the first five league games of the season without a victory so yes things have been worse within this calendar year and from someone that was at Dorville that evening I, I'm never going to let go of that memory and in fact possibly even worse the the Easter Road affair um, a few days later was was just a, a club making wrong decisions and compounding those wrong decisions um, so yeah, we have seen worse, but the level of fury and the level of get rid of him now that we're seeing 
within five games of the campaign starting, do you think it's it, it's realistic, or do you think it's it's just the way that modern football and modern football audiences, more particularly, are these days? It it it, it depends what you mean by realistic. Is it is it realistic these days that people are going to be very angry about their team performing very poorly and not having a lot of points after a very small number of games absolutely is it is it realistic to expect that the club are going to take imminent action and bring a new manager in place um well it's already happened with at least one other club so far this season but looking back at our immediate um history uh we gave jim goodwin and stephen glass before that um through through an entire uh, half of a season gave them an, an addition an additional window um, and it took I mean you, you referred back to it it took um, losing to a team in what were they the sixth flight of uh, sixth tier of Scottish football and then getting humped six nil at Easter Road to finally pull a trigger on on him and and the one thing that Barry Robson has in favour of him that neither of his last two predecessors had is He's actually, you know, put some credit in the bank beforehand. He's actually achieved something. He 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 brought the he brought the club from um, a situation where we all believed we would have no prospect of finishing in third place to finishing in third place, and that has to be, in my opinion, recognised. I think. Yeah, have we forgotten that too soon? I kind of suspect if we'd brought in someone from the outside immediately after Goodwin went and he achieved what he did. He'd be getting fated a lot more than Barry Robson is right now. Absolutely, um, and 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 so w- with that in mind, um, were we world beaters in the first seven games that uh, Barry Robson is in charge? Probably not. He probably got a bit of the a bit of a a, a lucky run into there as well. But uh, as much as um, that initial run probably was. Um, you know, a a, a, be- a better run than uh, what was actually happening on the park. Similarly, is this terrible run all because he's suddenly become tactically naive and we can't string a ball together? Um, yeah, it's probably you could, you know, you know to, to, to take his phrase in the uh, press conference, he, he wasn't getting too high during those times and he's not getting too low now. So um, I think, yeah, I think we have to be realistic. I, I, wouldn't like to judge again even with the good winning glass periods who had no credit in the bank to play with um i thought they deserved to at least get through the first run of fixture so the first 11 games so once you've played everybody in the league i think you get a more accurate reflection of where you are um compared to other teams in the league so um I, I would, I would have, I would be absolutely stunned if anything were to happen until at least we've, we've, we've got through that period of game. The likelihood is, is get through the European fixtures, get through to December, and and reevaluate where we are there. Then, um, I think the only worry from that regard is that what what might happen to this team that couldn't have happened to the previous two teams is we might be on the end of some absolutely serious hammerings off some of the teams that we are about to play and no more so than the side we're about to be facing in a few nights time um i know it's a completely different thing from getting knocked out by lower league opposition in the cup but 
I don't care how good a team you're facing. And again, Lee Johnson can probably speak to this as well. As as well fancied as Aston Villa were always going to be against Hibs, getting beat 8-0 off aggregate obviously didn't do him any favours when it came to an ultimate decision on whether he got to keep his job. And I do wonder, coming back to that very point you touched on, Richard, you can you can sometimes be a victim of your own success. And the very fact that we did well enough to secure European group stage football might, I worry, then be the ultimate um hammer that we we use to to hit him over the head with if things go particularly south well with that cheery introduction <laughs> let's talk about thursday um we of course are no exception to the rule amongst uh, uh media organizations oh, we're not a media organization we're a pair of dicks talking about dons but anyway um we we of course spoke to Derek ray because it's aberdeen and it's the bundesliga so clearly with that interjection of uh, of interests there's only one man for the job delighted to welcome Derek ray back onto the show Derek, thank you very much for joining us. Um, I mean, the very first question is about what sort of team are we going to be playing? I mean, we know fine well that uh, Frankfurt obviously reached the Europa League final, won the Europa League a couple of seasons ago, were therefore in the Champions League last year. But what's this team looking like this season? We're just very early into the season, I know, but uh, how's it settling down for them? Well, the fact of the matter, Richard, is that Eintracht Frankfurt and their current guys are a team in transition. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it means they still have quality left over to an extent from the side that won the Europa League a couple of seasons ago. But they have lost players since then. And they did lose a number of key players during the summer. We especially have to talk about Rondal Colombani. That happened very late 95 million euro. Think about that as a transfer fee. And Jesper Lindström, who's gone as well for a bit more than 30 million euro. So this is the financial stratosphere that Eintracht are operating in. Now, does that mean Aberdeen have no chance? Of course it doesn't mean Aberdeen have no chance because this is football and we know how it works and there are surprises. But Make no mistake, Eintracht are going into the Conference League believing that they should be one of the better teams in the Conference League, that they should be there or thereabout in the final analysis when the trophy is handed out at the end of the season. And, you know, I think that's fair comment. But it would be remiss of me to say that Eintracht, when you look at their dealings during the summer, it would be remiss of me to say that they've replaced these top players brilliantly you know I think there are some doubts about that uh, especially in particular positions I'm thinking about in the striking positions um, especially but yeah they're still formidable on paper and the other factor of course is that Aberdeen are going into a hostile environment in terms of the atmosphere it'll be an atmosphere the like of which you don't experience in the Scottish game week in week out because it is incessant when it comes to the noise. It's not like the UK where you have sort of swells where it gets loud and then it gets quiet, then it gets loud again. This will be a din for 90 minutes in front of a packed house and the Dons had better be ready for that inquisition. Yeah, I think the atmosphere is something that any of the travelling support, the Aberdeen travelling support, are really looking forward to. It, it kind of shocked me to look back to some of their games in Europa League qualifying even, playing teams from Liechtenstein. They're still getting 50,000 along to the games. Yeah. Uh, it just it, It's not 
typical for most European nations to have that sort of crowd at these early qualifying games or some of these um, slightly dead rubberish group stage games as well. Yeah. So a, a very vociferous support and about that fan base, I mean, we know obviously that Frankfurt as a city is a big financial services hub. Does it still have that working class element to the city as well? Yeah, that's the interesting thing. I'm glad you brought that up because on the one hand, Frankfurt is known as Bankfurt, you know, as a bit of a, a dig or Manhattan because it's on the river Main. You know, they have those nicknames, but it is a working class city and it is the centre of the, you know, big region, big catchment area, and most of the people in that catchment area are by default supporters of Eintracht Frankfurt. And it's a hard ticket to get. I always say to people, because I'm forever being asked as a Bundesliga commentator, where should I go to watch a Bundesliga game? And most people think Dortmund is the obvious answer. The obvious answer really could be five or six different places on any given day. And Frankfurt certainly would be in that conversation. It's a, a terrific place to watch a game. And especially in the, the Nordwest Kurve behind the goal, which is the, the loudest part of the stadium. So... Yeah, they have a lot going for them. And of course, you know, they're a proud 50 plus one club. They are member owned. And, you know, I think we have to talk a little bit about politics here as well. They are proudly to the left of centre, let's just say, when it comes to politics. And, you know, that speaks to their values. They're very much about diversity, about anti-racism, about anti-fascism. The uh, far-right party, the IFD, um, does not have a lot of traction with Eintracht Frankfurt and certainly the people who run the club. And Peter Fischer, the president, has said if you're a member of the IFD, that is not compatible with being part of the scene at Eintracht Frankfurt. So you see where I'm coming from uh, and, and the, the feeling that the, the club has in terms of where it stands uh, when it comes to social and political issues. But yeah, you know, they're a club with a great history. If you look at what they've done, like Aberdeen, of course, European trophy winners in the early 1980s. And they've had their ups and downs. They've had the, the yo-yo years. Uh, they've gone through that, but they've come back much more strongly in the last few seasons. And of course, the, the pinnacle was the Europa League win, but also what they've done in the Dea Bepokal. Uh, in terms of you know winning that competition five times, famously upset Bayern in the final in 2018, so they're a real football club. You know, there's nothing plastic about Eintracht Frankfurt. They are the real McCoy. What about the city itself, Derek? Have you spent much time there? Uh, is I know you've been sharing a lot of recommendations from locals on your Twitter feed, and anyone who hasn't done that should check that out. But um, have you have you spent some time there? And what what's been your what have you thought of the city when you've been there? Oh, a lot of time. Yeah, it was actually the first city that I spent any time in um, when I was a student uh, many years ago now. And I go back regularly, of course, uh, for football, but also on days off. And yeah, it, it's um, it's probably not the most glamorous city. It's certainly not top of the tourist trail when it comes to German cities, but there are interesting things to be found in Frankfurt, I would certainly advise people to go to the Römer, as it's known, the Römer Platz, which is actually where Frankfurt celebrate trophy wins. So um, if you if you do go to the Römer, if you're a Dons fan and are heading to Frankfurt, if you do go there, just picture what it would be like completely full of fans. You can have a look at it online and see what it was like for the celebrations um, after the Europa League win and after the Dea Bepokal victory that I mentioned back in 2018. 
and you know it has a number of other you know really attractive parts to it as well i would advise anybody who who is going um there's a, a twitter follower i have I communicate with occasionally by the name of beate geiber that's b-e-a-t-e g-e-i-b-e-l and she is a, a fervent eintracht fan but a very fair eintracht fan and believes in her city and if you go onto my Twitter timeline, that's at Raycom, R-A-E-C-O-M-M, you'll find by Beate a wonderful 10-part thread where she documents everywhere Aberdeen fans might want to consider going and gets into the culture, the culinary culture, the drinking culture, which is more Eppelvoy rather than beer. That's, um, that's a particular drink in uh, in Frankfurt that's favoured. And um, so, yeah, if you're heading to the game, go there and have a look. I think it'll be well worth your time. It was the, it was the draw you very much wanted yourself, Derek. Yeah. We've got, we've got a, a real history of drawing German teams as well. I think it was rather fated that we would once again be paired with a Bundesliga team. Um, I, I don't know if you're quite old enough to remember the, the last meeting with Frankfurt. Yes, I was there. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I was, I was there, kind yeah. of wondering. I know you were like sixteen at the yeah. time of Bayern Munich, so I'm kind of. I was hoping you yeah. you would just about remember that. What are your memories of that game? Um, I just remember that Aberdeen were a little bit um, outdone. You know, it was before the Dons were were ready, uh, and Eintracht, of course, were reaching a peak at that particular time with players like Jurgen Grabowski. So I think it was all part of the learning experience that the Dons went through in that spell in the late 1970s before Aberdeen reached their, their own uh, pinnacle in 1983. Um, but uh, it was high quality. It was exciting to have a team like Eintracht because, of course, for, for people of a certain age, they'll always be associated with you know what people of, of that generation regard as the best football match ever played at Hampden Park against Real Madrid in the European Cup final that finished 7-3. So they have this pedigree, they have this tradition. Uh, I know they're looking forward to, to Aberdeen. I've spoken to a few Frankfurt fans in the last few days and what they've said is it's nice to face another, a different Scottish team, you know, because most of them don't remember playing Aberdeen way back then. And so this will be a new experience. Scots are always welcome. And, you know, I, I think... Um, this speaks to what may happen, hopefully, with Scotland at the Euros next year as well. But uh, I think Aberdeen fans who go um, can, for the most part, expect a very warm welcome from the Eintracht regulars, from the people who go to the games every week. And, yeah, of course, they want Eintracht to win, just as Aberdeen fans want the reverse to happen. But I know already plans are afoot for a fairly big travelling support from Eintracht uh, when they come to Petodre in December. And that's a game you're going to make as well. I mean, you've been, yes. you're not making the, the, the game in Germany, but you're, you're making sure you're cancelling all plans and making sure you're at Petodre on December the 14th. Yes, I've already made sure that that will happen. Uh, when the, the draw took place, of course, we all know what we go through with draws. There's the draw and you go, OK, now we know who we're playing. But then we're sort of up in, in the air when it comes to the, the actual dates and we had to wait a whole day for that. And I knew already that in September I'm going to be stuck here in the USA with, with some other projects. So I knew that if anything happened in September, that was going to be out for me. 
Uh, I was hoping for October because I'm actually in Frankfurt for uh, for quite a bit of uh, October, the early part of October. So I was really hoping for match day two, but that didn't happen. So when I saw they were going to be playing at Petaudry on match day six, I said, all right, I am, uh, I'm taking the mystery out of this equation. <laughs> I'm going to make sure I'm back at Aberdeen for that one. So uh, yeah, who knows what it will mean at that point. But it's not every day a team that I cover you know, all the time, you know, one of the teams I cover most often these days as a Bundesliga commentator comes to my home city. So, um, yeah, I'm definitely not missing that one. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, no, no European night at Pittoria is ever a truly bad European night, even some of, no. the, even some of the beatings. Um, so, Derek, thank you so much. Um, I know you're looking forward to it and we're all looking forward to it, those of us who are travelling maybe not on a footballing basis we're maybe dreading that to some degree but certainly we're going to look forward to the trip and we're going to look forward to the challenge of facing them um thanks again for your time thanks richards enjoy the experience that applies to everybody going to frankfurt memories to be had so there we are uh, derek yet again bringing us fully up to speed with the team with the city and you know what to expect for the two and a half thousand Dons fans that are heading there on Thursday, um, which is quite some effort, I think, with the um, with the short time scale and let me also say with it with the very high flight prices that came with that uh, short time scale, um, people certainly have had to be creative. Um, my creativity extends to um, Edinburgh to Brussels flight and then train from Brussels to, to Frankfurt. So I'm sure there'll be also some, some other interesting journeys taking place and there'll be some of you that have bit the bullet and, and are paying like 600 quid to, to fly on um, BA, BA flights directly out there. But Thursday night, as you say, Martin, it's going to be very, very difficult and it could potentially be... Um, very very damaging it could be um, I've seen some very worried posts on social media um, I do fear for this particular fixture because again I don't think there was probably once we dropped into the conference league group stages I don't think there was a harder team we could have drawn than Eintracht Frankfurt, um, winners of the Europa League not a couple of seasons ago, um, having beaten uh, a team that I don't quite recall. Um, but I don't no, not can I, but I do remember being very pleased with Eintracht. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I just recall being incredibly happy about the result for some reason. Um, so, yeah, it's a huge challenge. Um, don't don't get me wrong. Um, I remember the last time we were off to take a trip to Germany uh, against a team that was undoubtedly going to completely clobber us, and um, uh, it didn't it didn't matter a jot as I was uh, uh, enjoying myself with thousands of other dandies in the beer halls of uh, Bavaria. So um, whatever happens on the game itself, I'm sure it's not going to dampen the enthusiasm of everybody that's uh, made the made the decision to, to, to go out there and, and enjoy themselves. Um, and I, I genuinely think um, the, the, the the final result probably is not going to be a massive surprise to anybody if we do end up getting outclassed on the night. But there's, there's, there's getting beaten and there's getting beaten. And I think there's a few genuine fears that, I mean, I, mean, I you know, I'm just thinking that there, there, there really are kind of worrying overtones to, how some of our uh, other 
Scottish counterparts have fared in 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 recent times. I think Dundee United celebrating that one nil win against um, AZ Alkmaar only to get humbled seven nil away from home. Um, the five nil pasting he was just got. Um, very pointedly, the the pasting that Hearts took away from home against Pauk, um, a team that we're obviously going to face later on in the in in, in the group stages. Um, so the, the the challenge is there for for um, the, the the team, and it will be very interesting to see how we uh, approach that. Because in fairness, even 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 against Frankfurt away, I don't think there's going to be any great change to the 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 way we're playing why why should it why should there be i mean you know um if anything i'd rather we were kind of sticking with the style and system that we're intending to play going forward rather than make wholesale changes just for a just for the one game but but the you know the the one thing i would say is that we 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 can't be playing surely in as in as open a manner as we have especially in the the couple of legs against hacken where if we if we play like that in, in in a way that we're just and especially the way that I think um, and and you know given credit uh, Robson puts an awful lot of faith in the those back three players being able to fend for themselves they'll um, he's very willing to push the wing backs forward to be part of a kind of a midfield four and and if we get if we get caught going the other way he does expect those defenders just to match up one on one with the opposition. Um, Goodness knows how that's going to work out over the next few European fixtures. Well, there's a real concern, not just because of the quality that Frankfurt have, which is far in excess of anything in the SPFL, but the twice that Robson's taking a team to Parkhead um, have resulted in 4 0 and 5 0 defeats. Um, maybe more encouragingly, there was, there was a trip to Ibrox, albeit against uh, a home side and the bones of their arse having, having lost the league. Um, which ended up with a, a narrow 1-0 defeat. Um, not that encouraging. Still a defeat, obviously. Um, so, I don't really see too many signs of hope. We've, still, we've talked about the, the aforementioned away record anyway. Do you consider this a free hit? Or, or I suspect not, because it, I think you've really obviously touched upon your um, worry that uh, a hammering here can obviously um, impinge further on the domestic form. Yeah, I mean, it, it is and it isn't in 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 terms of you know the 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 whole point of going through all those trials and tribulations in the league is and and to get third place is to be able to be in this situation where you can pit your wits against some of the some of the better teams in Europe and see how you do. But it's obviously not a free hit in terms of we can't just we can't just jolly up thinking you know just be happy to be here and, and see how it goes. I mean, if we if we don't go into this with anything less than a thoroughly professional attitude to, to compete with this team, then we're going to get an absolute walloping. And 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 as I was saying, I I, I actually think you know it's it, it is one of those things where um, the 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 initial joy of uh, getting into the latter stages in Europe could be very very quickly curtailed if we start off in this group stage with a with a with a real spanking because all of a sudden um if you th- if you think the if you think the, the re- reception of the dandies has been you know pretty heated up to this point it'll be nothing compared to what it'll be like if we're coming back with uh our, 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 our classic european humiliation um so yeah we're gonna have to treat this very very seriously and again i i the one thing i do hope is i think it would be exceptionally naive to try and approach this 
I, I, again, certainly in terms of this, the setup and the style of the team, I don't have any issue with that. That is the way we're. If that is the way we're trying to play, then I've, at the end of the day, we we should be going out trying to play in the style and system that we we want to play. But it's got to be pragmatic, and um, I would expect um, the the roles of uh, Messrs. McGarry and Dev, Devlin in particular to be far more defensive than what they they may well be, or or how he may well be wanting to play in in some of the domestic games that we'll be doing beforehand. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a free hit in terms of it's fantastic that we're playing European football that we probably weren't expecting six months ago. But it, it is it is something of a double edged sword because as as fantastic an experience it was to to qualify for this, and we'll all remember the, the scenes immediately after the the win against St Mirren that secured it. But again, as many people have said, that's the last win in a competitive fixture that, that we've had since then. We're still waiting for, um, other than in the League Cup, obviously. So, you know, it's, you know, time time to, to buckle up and get a, whatever we classify as a credible result. I mean, I'll, I'll put that to you, Richard. What would you, what would you be... Not well, happy with, but what would you be accepting of when you when you roll out of? Well, if you think back to the the game in two thousand and seven in Madrid, we were completely outclassed and barely barely threatened in their half, but we held out. We we showed a bit of bravery. We stood up to physical challenge against a home team who really were operating at sixty percent. So that hopefully I hope that maybe Frankfurt aren't quite on it as well and by all accounts they've had a, a stuttering start to the season as well despite the quality that they have so uh, yeah there comes it's like the Celtic game at the end of last season you were like it was a dead rubber it didn't matter to us but it still ended up being a bit humiliating and it's not that Thursday doesn't matter because it's the opening game of a group which you you know should still believe that you have an opportunity to to progress from you shouldn't be writing it off even though it looks unlikely you should still be thinking Helsinki's a game where you uh, are two games where you believe you can pick up points you, you should still believe that uh, Parrick at home are is an opportunity to to do something but Thursday is going to be incredibly difficult and I think it will have to be a case of just trying to be as tight as possible and as uh, as solid as possible whether that's as you say in the same shape that we would normally play fine but certainly with not with the same ambition that that I saw us play in in Gothenburg which was albeit pleasing to see it would be a recipe for disaster against a better team so that'll be Thursday. It'll take care of itself, I suppose, in, in some respects. Uh, 5.45 UK kickoff time. Um, I think most of the away games are 5.45 kickoffs, and the home games are all 8 o'clock kickoffs, if I recall correctly, as we go through these next six European ties. I, I suppose the thing is, yeah, we, we were all super excited to qualify. We're, we've all been making our plans hopefully to try and get to one if we can um, and I know that's very much a privilege to those of us who are able to um, and looking forward to traveling with the Dons because they're always they're always fun trips but um, yeah let's hope the team can can show a bit of fight and no little quality because because I do still believe that it's there it is there and there can be a team that comes through this very very underwhelming and uh, 
excitement sapping start to the season I think Martin because you went into this campaign with a with a record number of season ticket holders on the back of having qualified for Europe and ever since that opening day at Livingston that's just what it's been it's been a it's been a sucking out of any anticipation any kind of hope yeah it's been rather depressing hasn't it it's um it's the it's the kind of situation that I almost almost uh wish that we were um hitting the, the the keyboard again and getting it this is this is a an environment which is ripe for a trf comeback but um yeah it's 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 probably the most frustrating aspect of uh this is that we haven't really been able to capitalize on what was an incredibly positive end to last season um and i'm reflecting back you know you don't even have to go that 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 far um the last was it the last preseason game of the season? We went down to London and played Charlton. And... Oh God, the, the the notices that came in after that. I mean, what was that 20, 20, uh, 20 posts read by JJ Bull about how brilliant we were? Uh, yeah. I mean, God bless him, but <laughs> it's looking but, a little bit <laughs> yeah, it's misplaced not quite now. As, <laughs> it's not. It's not quite as uh, rosy as it was back then, was it? But but again, I was. I, I was. I remember watching that on a on an undoubtedly illicit stream in one of the local bars um, and particularly that first half performance and thinking, wow, we are going to be a formidable team this season. We're really going to really going to go about it. But I guess, you know, you always have to go into the beginning of any season with that note of caution, because as as good as you look again in a preseason friendly against a team that clearly in retrospect probably wasn't putting themselves into too much of an effort to try and stop us playing or attacking and free-flowing football. Um, my goodness, the minute you find yourself on an artificial pitch at Almond Vale with a team that's looking to rumble you up and get in about you, it, it, it shatters all illusions, doesn't it? But but do you think there is something there to build upon? Do you think there's, there's a possibility of one result? And I, I think it's highly unlikely that comes on Thursday. But say that, you know, we, we kickstart things on Sunday against Ross County and then go up there and we start to look like a team and we progress, I suppose, by any means necessary. I don't really care how we progress, but we progress with with a bit of comfort, with a bit of ease. Do you think that that can be a signpost to, to a bit more positivity and, and a bit more belief around the place? Definitely. And we all know football's such a fickle thing because you do just... I, I think you, you, you mentioned this earlier in the pod. I would For last season, I would always turn back because, again, it, it didn't start overly positively when Barry Robson took over from Goodwin and we had obviously the early Ross McCrory sending off at home against St Mirren and we ended up getting beat in that game and you know if that had if that had just continued we may well have been in an awful situation but I always point back to it was that that game at uh Tannadice against Dundee United and it was the first time you, you you know these things don't just happen you still got to show the resolve and I think that was an important thing in that that on that night um, was we showed a tenacity to stay in a game at a time when it looked like things were turning against us. We get the penalty awarded against us. They drop it back to 1-1. But but we keep going and we finally get a result. And suddenly, once you've got a, a, a well-earned, deserved win and you know the positivity rolls on the back of that, and if you can then seize that momentum and keep going with it, then, yeah, you can absolutely then... I, I, I don't think it would be unbelievable at all. Especially given the run of domestic fixtures, I think once you get past the the away 
away game at Ibrox, I think you've got a run of, you know, three or four very winnable games. So I could very easily see us um, turn 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 this around and suddenly, as I say, by the time we're at the kind of 11 game point and we've played everybody and we're, we, we may well, I mean, we're not going to be in an ideal situation after that now, obviously, but we could we could be sitting on, you know, 11, 12, 14, 15 points, you know, back back in contention for the top six. And, um, you know, we'll just write this all off to a, a, a passing phase when, as we were saying beforehand, we, we'd brought in a, a huge number of players from a from a diaspora of countries and um it just will we'll reflect back and it say yeah it just did it did just take a time for all of this to to gel and, and and come together but the worry always is i'm sure that's what we were all thinking at this time last year and the time before that the year before that um you you, you ultimately there's no substitute for you need to get those results that will actually start that ball rolling and where is that result going to come from i I agree with you i think it's going to be incredibly unlikely that result's going to come on thursday night although even even a credible a creditable performance where we you know if if we come away with a a narrow but slightly unlucky defeat you know because we've really put in a good performance even that might be the catalyst which which starts to turn things around um but you know, we we have to start putting in the performances that deserve that. Um, I know Barry Robson was talking about earlier about he he was actually I think I think that's what's actually riled a number of sport more is the kind of his feeling that the team's actually doing okay and it just needs a few results. He's maybe not completely wrong in relation to that, but I think we've all identified that there's you know there's issues in with the way that we've been performing which seem pretty glaring and need to be addressed. But but he is right that I mean eventually. If you know, I think he seemed a lot more confident that the results will turn around. But until they do turn around, the longer you go without those results, the more pressure will will, will heap on the, the team. So we can we can only hope that comes sooner rather than later. Yeah, just just quickly on Robson, this 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 post match persona, I suppose you would have to say, because what's been fronted to the press is probably unlike unlikely to be the same as the message being conveyed to his players but this I, I saw it characterised over the weekend as glibness which I think I think it's verging on that sometimes about uh, about how it will change about how you know he has total belief in his team which is obviously a good thing to convey publicly is that jarring people do you think? I think so I think I think that's a big element of it um, and I think a lot of the time what supporters want to hear and you're absolutely right Managers nowadays are very, very conscious about the the way that they could potentially be portrayed in the media. I think they're very keen. You, you'll again, you'll you'll have seen it. Everybody knows. You'll you'll catch the if you if you um, miss not even get misquoted, but if you if you portray one sentence in your response in a way that somebody seems unhappy with or is contentious about it, it can suddenly get you know exploded into another of these kind of hundred post threads about how you know that's a that's a that's a telling insight into the psyche of the manager i'll i'll i'm i don't doubt at all that in reality um he probably just wants to get out of his media commitments in as straightforward a manner as possible and uh, get on with doing the day job which is coaching his team and and, and trying to get them prepared for another match but I think all that the, all that the support would like is a genuinely honest appraisal of how things are going on, because I think what 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 they want to see is some form of 
I, I don't want to strain on the word authentic, but an authentic assessment of how things are going. And I think fans just find it slightly patronising when, especially when you've paid good money to travel, well, for, to the Hearts game at the capital, you're travelling 130 miles down the road, paying pretty good money for a ticket. And by the way, you know, um, £13 for a standing ticket and £22 for a seated ticket at Eintracht Frankfurt compared to the amount of money you'd pay to see Aberdeen on a regular basis. You do have to wonder about the respective values of... Uh, yeah, I think uh, we're going to find a lot of things this week where um, we wonder why they get so right and we get it so wrong, but that's one of them. Yeah, but it's one thing... I think if if, if, if managers are coming out and are basically saying, yeah, I, I the performance wasn't acceptable and there's things that we need to work on in order to get to where we are, I think the supporters would take an honest approach to that i think where they get concerned is and i and, and i think you're absolutely right what he's tell, telling the media might be completely in fact will be completely different to what he's telling the players but um the 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 the, the message which is some, sometimes being portrayed that he actually thinks the performances are better than what we think they are and again sometimes that can be true as well we're, we're probably the worst for overreacting off of the back of the results going against us but yeah, this kind of aspect that us, yeah. us on here, <laughs> us never, never. But um, yeah, it's 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 this kind of you, you don't want this kind of on what what seems to be an unflinching kind of view that we we are going to do better and we are going to win. If you, it's a balance because if you get that that tone right, then what you're trying to convey is a confidence that things are going fine in the background and your confident results will come forward, which is which is fine. But that can the longer that doesn't happen and the longer you're not getting issues, you, you start looking an awful lot more foolish when you're saying that. And and again, there are there are problems with the way that we are trying to play right now that are so glaringly obvious that it does, I think, seem somewhat patronising to supporters who have been to the game, have watched a performance, have seen with their own eyes um, how how the match has actually gone, and then for the manager to try and tell you otherwise in the press conference um, or in the after-match interview can jar a bit. Um, I understand why he's trying to put it in that way. And as I say, I'm sure to the manager, it's it's more about just getting through your media commitments unscathed without producing some clickbait um, kind of caption or headline, which will be used against you later on. But I would probably prefer to see some more of a, a genuinely honest appraisal of how the team is actually performing, because at least then you get a bit more of a feeling that we're actually all on the same page with where where the club actually is right now and what it needs to do to get to get to where it needs to go. Alright, that's our show for this week. Huge thanks to Derek Ray, what an alpha fine loon he is, um, finding time for us and various other ne'er-do-wells this week ahead of the game in Germany. If you're lucky enough to be going over to Frankfurt, I won't even try and pronounce it the way Derek pronounces it, um, then enjoy it, sing your heart out for the team. If you want to take a pot shot at how shit they are, leave it to the full sound whistle and then, you know, 
bust along or whatever. What do you collapse along? You don't bust along, do you, Martin? You collapse along. Uh, you well, can I try not to collapse along. But... <laughs> collapse along at full time if you have to. Um, so, yeah. Here's hoping that uh, if not Thursday, then this week is a catalyst for, for something better. We'll be back um, after the Ross County game next week. Uh, maybe. Um, or maybe not. Maybe we'll be so depressed by the turn of events that we can't even face it anymore. Um, I hope this hasn't depressed you too much. Um, but it's certainly not been an overly encouraging start to the season, as we put it, uh, an um, enthusiasm sapping start to the 23-24 campaign but I guess uh, the only way is up. My thanks to Martin Ingram. Thanks for having me on and, and, and wonderful to go out on a, on a Yaz lyric. Very I am the Plastic Population and uh, until next time, come on you Reds.